because that's like one of my biggest pet peeves of I like to contribute to conversations because I'm I like I'm not an intellectual by any means, but I definitely love interesting problems. And I have interesting solutions some of the time. Yeah. And so being cut out of those conversations because of my age is kind of infuriating. Like yeah. I don't have the experience, but you could use my idea to pivot and get something better. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. This is Philip Mott, your host of Schools Out, where we talk about the value of learning outside of the classroom. I'm really stoked about this episode today because I got to speak with a young high school student, a high school senior, and um, his name is Cody. And we just talk about the, we talk about what are the questions that adults ask teenagers that really get on your nerves. Uh, We talk about how do adults really perceive kids and how does the school system treat kids as a whole. And I'm just really excited to share this. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Cody. Let's get right into it. So one thing I kind of wanted to ask is what are the, what's like the worst question that you normally get from adults when you meet them for the first time? Oh, <laughs> it's kind of hard. I mean, so like as in like the past month and a half or so, I like to advertise that I'm trying to go into my own business. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a very, very vocal opinion of college. Okay. And so usually it boils down to one of the two things where like they'll just start off with like basic stuff and then they'll want to know more about me. And so it ends up turning about either me talking about wanting just to go and focus on starting my own business or me talking about how I really don't understand or like or appreciate college for what it is. Okay. At least what you, what you know about what it so far. What I know far. about yeah, it yeah. as of now, yeah. Yeah. And usually I get the college one more often. We actually had, uh, I'm in preparing for college and careers, which was an interesting class for me to take. <laughs> Because you're not planning on going to college. I'm not planning on going to a college and career-wise, I I have an idea, mm-hmm. but I also have a safety net for in case that idea just goes flat. Mm. And basically, where I've worked a lot of fast food, especially at Taco Bell, because that place was a lot more relaxed. Where mm. we, I was usually on the the front, so you'd come in, I'd be there. We that never really got as busy as it could have been. And so I had a lot of time to sit and talk to people and get to know them. And that's really where I started my networking. Okay. And so there's a new Verizon uh, like call center going to be made like mm-hmm. closer to Indy, but it's going to be like over this way. Okay. And I was talking to the uh, regional manager who's going to be heading up that department. Mm-hmm. And with just me talking to him alone, he gave me his card for me to call him in like six to eight months. Yeah. If because he's going to have a bunch of positions open and then I'll be graduated hopefully by then. And then he wanted me to, he wants me to come in and do an interview. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that works for me. Yeah. I've got plenty of like those little opportunities like all over. Yeah. Awesome. It's just where I have this big mouth. I'm just like talking to people. And <laughs> for some reason they're just like, wow, that's a really nice skill you have because a lot of my generation doesn't like to talk to people, they like to text to people. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Although, as I've gotten to know um, teenagers, once once you kind of get past that first barrier of uh, you establish kind of some of that trust, mm-hmm. then I feel like it's a lot more open. But a lot of teenagers have their guard up. So that's probably kind of what you're observing here. Like my my walk over here gave me a lot of time just to sit and think, and it was it was really nervous. Like I had butterflies, which mm-hmm. I love butterflies. They're like my <laughs> favorite feeling in the world. Yeah, and it's just like okay, I'm gonna go to this one place and talk to somebody I've never met face to face. Yeah, this is really nerve wracking. <laughs> and then I got in here, I'm just like, this is not bad. Yeah, I'm it, not very threatening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of glass too, so yeah. Um, so let's go back to that question of just like when you, when you meet an adult for the first time, especially someone like an aunt or uncle, not for the first time, I guess, but like when you see adults in scenario, in situations where they start a conversation, what's, what's one of the first things that they kind of ask you and what is, what is like your least favorite question to be asked? My least favorite question that relatives specifically ask this is what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Because the answer I give is never satisfactory to them. Mm-hmm. Because they expect me to be like, oh, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get this degree, and then I'm going to go and start my life then. And usually that's nowhere near where my answer is like. Usually it's like, I'm trying to do this now, and I want to do this now. And mm-hmm. Then they, they really just give me that puzzling look. And actually, I didn't post my podcasts on my Facebook because right. I knew my family would be the first ones to look at it because I've yeah. not been active on that in a while. Yeah. And so with me finally posting something, they would instantly click on it. And so I actually got a lot of mixed. Like mm-hmm. my younger, like my dad's brothers and sister, they were really supportive and their like kids were supportive and their wives they were like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really cool. Yeah. But my mom's dad and my dad's parents... They were both like, oh, that's a really dangerous thing to do. and You really shouldn't be doing that. You should really go and do something safer and this and that. And I actually started talking to my grandma or my nana. And she was just like, you're really good with numbers. I'm like, yeah, I, I really like numbers. And she's just like, you should go and be, and be an accountant. Everybody needs an accountant. I'm like, well, yeah. And <laughs> I, I definitely would be good at accounting. I did both intro and advanced accounting. So okay. I have a I have a foot in that world. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be too far-fetched for me to do that, but I'm like, that's just not something I, I'm interested in. I, I did it because I knew that that was a really useful skill to, for me to have later on in life. Yeah. And we kind of got into this little argument about it because I'm like, I really don't want to do that. It's not mm-hmm. something that I would feel happy doing. And she was just like, oh, it's not about being happy. You should just embrace the suck and make as much money as you can so that way when you become my age, you don't have to worry about anything. Mm. I'm like, well, by the time I'm your age, I won't have to worry about anything. <laughs> I want to I wanna struggle now. Yeah. Like, I know that's kind of weird because I know a lot of kids who are just like, I want to work one day a week and I want to be made 50 hours and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'd rather work at 10 bucks an hour, four mm. days a week, ridiculous hours. You know, I want to I wanna experience that. Yeah. And it's really paid off because back when I first started working, I was working Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 9, every weekend from mm. October to, like, March. Yeah. It was it was tough. I didn't have a single weekend to myself. But I built up that stamina of always going those, like, long mm-hmm. shifts. 
And now that I'm at Culver's, they usually schedule me for five hours and then a half or 5.45 because when I'm a minor, six hours is where they have to give me a break. Yeah. And they don't want to do that because that really just slows down their their, uh, their labor. And, yeah. you know, that's fine. I still get paid pretty well. Yeah. But I had to take a double uh, Sunday for my buddy because he wasn't feeling so good and he couldn't get anybody to do it. So I was working 11 to 4, and then he was supposed to work 5 to, like, 9. But we made a deal with the managers where I would work till 3.30, because usually 3.30 to 4-ish is where you start to die down. I would get off then, and then I would come and work from 5.45 to 9. So that way I wouldn't go over the 9-hour cap. Yeah. And they were worried that I wouldn't have the energy for it, but... I started strong and I ended strong. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really, I think working hard now is definitely like my favorite thing hmm. because I know that working hard now is going to make it easier later on. Like I've set goals for myself where I'm like, okay, first job, I'm going to save $500 within the first six paychecks. And I kept doing that and I've got a nice pile of cash to fall back on it's not too big not gonna lie but it's definitely more than most yeah. teenagers my age have you're, you're trying to figure out how to save mm-hmm. put some money aside and i'm where i took those two accounting classes and i really was just like focused on the numbers i'm starting to figure out how much i'm making hourly to or like if i'm making 950 an hour how much i'm making that during that hour like if i were only working mm-hmm. 30 minutes i'm getting this much because mm-hmm. Cohorts, they like to schedule me 30 or 5.30 to 10 or 5.45 to 10, yeah. something like that. So I had to figure out those hours. That way when I get paid, I'm not expecting too much or expecting too little. Mm. And I, I save my pay stubs because I like looking at the numbers. Like I'll see my hours for this week versus my hours for this week. Then I can see how much my tax was. Yeah. Then how much my uniform costs, which is a little much. So you have to pay for your uniform? At Culver's, yeah, it's like a hundred bucks for one hat, two shirts, and two pants. Usually that also includes the shoes, but I have, I already have my work shoes. I've had my work shoes for a while now. Okay. So I didn't have to pay for that. So it did make it a little cheaper for me. I can't remember if I, I worked at McDonald's when I was in high school. and so I can't remember if we, I think there were some payments for uniforms, but I can't remember. I want to say it was like $17 per shirt or something. Which doesn't sound too far off to what you paid, because yeah. if it's two shirts and two pants, you're 34, and then pants would have to be maybe 25 piece. Yeah, which so you're already at like 85 dollars plus a hat. Mm-hmm. Which so, actually which sounds, sounds about, about right. right for clothes and how much they cost nowadays. Getting a nice yeah. pair of pants like the ones I got. Yeah, like they're really nice pants. They they have a button, but they also have the latch. They yeah. like they stretch. They're super comfy, and they're pretty cheap. And then the shirts are like the dry fit, like the Under Armour kind of feel. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's really uncomfortable because it, it just rubs my skin and it just doesn't yeah. feel right. But I always wear an undershirt and it's no problem. Yeah. It kind of feels, it can get a little itchy sometimes, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down with, you know, I think one of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is sort of position myself as someone who can listen. Mm-hmm. So like when you sit down with an adult, um, or you're talking with an adult, what are some, who are you drawn to? What are the, some of the characteristics of an adult that you think, like, I don't mind spending time with that person, or they seem like someone that I could share um, 
part of my meaningful life with and not get just like beat down with criticism or, you know, complaints or things like that. Don Wetrick and Brian Clark are the two. Like, okay. Yeah. They, I, I like talking to, I knew Mr. Clark from my, so, or my freshman year, actually. Who's Brian? Brian Clark is the weightlifting coach at the high school. Oh, okay. And he has got to be one of the most intense but awe-inspiring people I've met in a mm-hmm. while. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't like being preached at or lectured to. Most but, people don't. Yeah. <laughs> but when he when he would go and do his little like five to ten minute little like talks at us, mm-hmm. I I was always listening one hundred percent because they were like real stuff about character and yeah. Oh, I learned so much from him. Like mm-hmm. before that, I was like one of those kids where if nobody was looking, I'd probably take the shortcut. Yeah. But after him, oh, I'm nobody's looking. I'm still going one hundred ten percent always, and it's definitely affected the way. I do things for sure. Um, he he looks like a really scary guy. Like he's really built. Yeah, but he's I like a, he, he's a teddy bear. Like he's so fun to talk to because he'll just sit there and he'll let you talk for like thirty minutes. Yeah, and he won't say a word. But when you stop and wait for his feedback, he'll give you like some of the most like real feedback, and it's not going to be sugar coated at all. He's going to tell mm. you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah, and that is amazing to me. And I've only known Mr. Wetrick for a little bit. Like yeah. I was in. This is your first time in his class, is that right? Yeah, first time in his class, and then I did his esports program two years in a row. Oh, okay. And first year I didn't get it. Second year I made it, and then there's just a lack of communication, so it kind of just like died off. Mm. But th- being in his class, it's amazing. Like yeah. he had. Uh, you don't hear many high schoolers talking about a teacher that way. No, my I actually. <laughs> I had to do a presentation for my preparing for college and careers about like role models and careers. Mm. And I immediately went down Brian Clark and Don Wetrick. Like yeah. I talked for a good 10 minutes about them where they had to actually tell me just to sit down. Yeah. And I got an A on that project because I was so passionate about talking about them. Yeah. Like I, I easily put in like five to six hours of research into each of them. Yeah. It was, they, they, I don't know why, in like particular, but they both just done something that made me either feel more confident about myself, made me think more about my life, mm-hmm. you know, destroyed misconceptions or just made me feel better about being me. Yeah. And that's why I always put them on these pedestals. What, what misconceptions do you think were those misconceptions about adults or so, teachers, school for, uh, it, this is mostly with Wetrick, but Clark also did a lot of preaching where it destroyed a lot of things where it was more like willpower and strength and all this. And that was really what he was focused on. Hmm. But it still, like, it helped. But okay. with Mr. Wetrick, he was telling me that college really isn't the go-to now. Now it's people don't want you just to sit down and do nothing or just follow orders. They want you to think on your feet and contribute. Mm-hmm. And... He also has told us so much about how, uh, which is something I really wanted to put into practice, was he wanted a job as a college student. So instead of going and getting an internship or whatever, he went to the person, called them up and said, hey, could I shadow you for for today or a day and I'll buy you lunch? Mm -hmm. And then they let him come in 
and he was asking all these questions and he was really absorbed with it. And then the guy ended up paying for his lunch. Yeah. And then he asked if he could come back the next day. Yeah. And then I think it was after he got out of college, he was like selling tuxedos or something like that. And they get a call from the guy who shadowed and he's just like, where are you? And he's just like, I'm doing this. And he's like, oh, we want you to be here. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was really eye-opening to me because I'm like, those connections really work. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've made connections before where I like, there are all kinds of people where I like have gone and I've met them and I've understood them and they've tried to understand me, which is awesome. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people either just uh, say that they, they'll just nod along and say, yeah, of course, you got this. Or yeah. others will just completely flat out ignore you. There are plenty of conversations where I've tried to contribute and I've just been ignored because I was a kid. Did we talk about that on the LinkedIn Messenger about, I can't remember if it was you or Nick that talked about that. It was probably me because that's like one of my biggest pet peeves of I like to contribute to conversations because I'm, I like, I'm not an intellectual by any mm-hmm. means, but I definitely love interesting problems mm-hmm. and I have interesting solutions some of the time. Yeah. And so being cut out of those conversations because of my age is kind of infuriating. Like, yeah. I don't have the experience, but you could use my idea to pivot and get something better, mm-hmm. which is something that I love, the, the idea of pivoting. Mm-hmm. Seeing one problem with only one solution and then being told that's a terrible solution. Yeah. And then just pivoting and getting a better one. Mm-hmm. Or seeing a different problem entirely and solving it with an even better method. Something that I was thinking about as you were talking is that I see so commonly, and I think from what you've talked about so far, people, some adults in your life have observed you talking and sharing your ideas, and they've encouraged you and said, like, you're a, you're a step ahead the rest of your generation because you actually like talking to people. Is that about right? Yeah. Okay. So what I see, I think, adults do is they look at the generation, almost if you imagine um, a bunch of teenagers running around a track, and they see, like, Cody's up here, and this girl is back here. And the problem with that is they're not respecting where each of you are on your own journey. They're thinking of a finish line in mind, and that you're all running to the same finish line, but you're not. And so they're evaluating your progress based on the same finish line. And it creates this uh, competitive or almost oppressive environment where this girl feels like she's losing because she's in a different spot in her journey. And they're evaluating her based on your finish line. And uh, I don't know, what do you think about that? Does that sound kind of accurate? So that is... That, that reminds me really basically of how the school system is. Yeah. Because it's really the people who have those A's and whatever. They're, those mm-hmm. are like the examples. Those are the people that we always like, ah, oh, they're, they're the best. And this is yeah. where you should be. Right. When you're still trying to figure out what we did Tuesday. And yeah. they're already doing what we're doing next month. Yeah. So when they're like that, usually people just don't even bother helping you at that point. Because they're more focused on helping the person who's already ahead. And they just want to coddle them and, you know, make sure that they succeed. But they really just like, oh, by the way, you can do this. But they, they never give the same attention to everybody else. Yeah. And Don't you think they end up hurting that student who's behind because 
you know, the student ends up saying, well, I'm so far behind everyone else, I might as well just give up. Yeah, I was, that was me in like fourth and fifth grade because I had been moving around a lot. And so my fourth grade year is when I moved from my small town in West Virginia to this, to Virginia Beach, Virginia, this really big and beautiful school. Mm. And that was my first time even like interacting with anybody other than the people I've always been with. Hmm. And so they were learning stuff way more advanced than I was learning in my little town in West Virginia. And so I fell so far behind that I kind of just gave up. Hmm. And I came pretty close to almost repeating a year because I'd given up. But then my stubbornness kicked in, and it's something I had to give a tribute to my mom because mm-hmm. she's so stubborn that it's worn off on me mm-hmm. where I don't want to lose. Yeah. That's not something a lot of people have, but I'm glad I do. Because I was I was in the back half of the year. I was like om- I was either failing or almost failing like all of my classes. Mm-hmm. But I cracked down and I pulled it back up. And then the next year, my 5th grade year, I was on honor roll. Yeah. Because I had just stepped up and and that system was kind of messed up the honor roll. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. even within that select group of amazing kids who do amazing things, mm-hmm. we still are like, well, this is the best one of all these amazing kids. Let's give him all right. of our attention. And I'm like, it, it really just blows my mind. Because even though these are better than the 99%, yeah. we're still going to go inside of this 1% and go even further and dissect it even more. I'm just, yeah. It upset me because I was I was in the, the Honor Society or whatever it was called, and I was in, like, the middle of the pack, which was mm-hmm. still phenomenal. Yeah. And I think I did it again my eighth grade year because I moved again, and I'd fallen behind, and then I caught back up. Yeah. And it's the same cycle where I, I get thrown into this new environment. I feel like giving up. I almost give up, and then I'm like, no, I'm not going to give up. And then I push forward, and I'll spend countless hours studying, memorizing. Yeah. Or I'll spend all this time asking questions or Googling, researching. I've easily spent a good 100, 150 hours just like looking up different info and writing it down, taking notes. Yeah. Which is something I don't like doing. I have not, ta- I've, there are like, <laughs> I maybe- like taking notes. I don't like reviewing notes. <laughs> yeah. That's always been my problem. It's like, I like the idea of like writing things down that are important, mm-hmm. but I would. I was so terrible at like going back over my notes. <laughs> For me, it was more of the taking notes that I couldn't do. If I took notes, I would always go back and you know look at mm-hmm. them because I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this was important enough. If I took them, I'm going to go back and look at them. Yeah. I don't think there's been a single class my entire high school career that's made me like, I'm going to pull out a pen and paper and take notes, except for innovations. Yeah. I've easily got a little booklet of yeah. just things he's talked about or ideas he's thrown. That's awesome. It, it, it's truly amazing because I don't like taking notes at all. Mm-hmm. I think the only other thing I've really taken notes on were like documentaries, like Making yeah. a Murderer or mm-hmm. uh, Evil Genius. Those I dive into. Yeah. Like I'll take notes of certain dates and certain evidence and mm-hmm. testimonies. It, it's really helped me because we're actually watching that movie in, uh, or documentary in English. And I've okay. already got a note like notes like bigger than the entire unit we're doing for it of just my notes alone because I was curious about it. Yeah. And I don't think education, at least here, has inspired that into me where it's made me curious and it's made me want to go and do this on my own. Yeah. Like at all. 
one of the, my favorite stories about the the type of school we're trying to start is um, this this young man is talking. He spent four years at a democratic school, and the first year he just played video games all day because you could actually play video games there. And then he got he had a chance to go to a summer music camp at Berkeley. Um, so then the next year they have a music room. He spent all year playing music. So there's no required courses. He doesn't have to take English. Doesn't have to take history. All this stuff. So then he does that, and he realizes kind of toward the end of the year. Well, I don't think I want to make a living making music. It's fun, but like I don't think that's going to be my job. And so the next year, they have a room called they call it the sewing room, mm-hmm. and it's where kids just hang out and talk all day as as long as they want to. So he spent most of his year there, and he said. I started like writing down things that we were talking about when I get home that night to the point where I started writing essays about like human development and you know he's sort of learning history and culture through those conversations and then he ended up going to college to study neuroscience based on so many of the conversations he became really interested in neuroscience based on all those conversations and it's just like it just to me it goes to show that if you really allow students to develop their interests like they're going to find what makes them happy and they're still going to do something that contributes to the world like not everyone has to learn indiana history like not everyone has to learn us history at least that's the philosophy of this school yeah and it sounds a little bit like what you're saying is when you've had time especially in don's class and outside of school, when you've had time to develop your own interests, it's you're much happier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, just taking notes in general, the fact of actually stopping and writing something down, going over it, you know, expanding upon that thought, yeah, just that the whole process. It, I don't like doing it very much because it's just it feels tedious for something mm-hmm. that is in my head. Yeah, because in my head I see it. I'm not showing this to anybody else. It's just for me, but yeah. it, and it feels tedious. But when it's something that I was like physically and emotionally like interested in, yeah, it it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like I was just riding a hundred miles an hour, and I didn't even have to stop and you know look over stuff. When like an episode would end, or I'd hit pause, or whatever, I come back. I would just go through and look at some of my notes, and then I would make even more observations on the notes that I took. Yeah, and it was just amazing and I feel like you like especially at uh, the school I'm at the NHS we don't have much time to communicate like at yeah. all. and the the when I was a freshman we had all these apps and all that stuff where we could talk to one another mm. then they took apps away my sophomore year which mm. makes sense because nobody was paying attention because they were all on their iPads <laughs> then they cracked down even further I don't know if it was my junior year or if it was this year but now through Canvas, which is a mandatory app that we have, it's where we do all of our schooling and all yeah. that, we can't physically message another student. Yeah. So unless we know their their name, their first name, their last name, and the year they graduate, we can't talk to another student. Yeah. And that's made it really difficult for some of my classes where we are in projects or I have a question or I want to talk to my peers about something. And I actually brought this up to one of my teachers recently. And they're like, well, you always have your phone with you. Why don't you have their number or their Snapchat or what is this? I'm like, well, this is 
a new person to me. I've never worked with this person. Yeah. And, and this is school. Like, we're doing it for school. Like, give us a way yeah. to work together. And it it's getting to the point where I want to get a few of my friends who feel the same, like Nick and Jacob Zuniga and the other Jacob, and I want to get them together. And I want to go to the school and say, hey, hmm. either give us some way of communing just to other students or give us back the function of communicating with students on Canvas because we need a way to talk to each other. And, you know, com- it, it was just, it blew my mind when they took it away. Because now when you even go into, like, search for other students, it can it's either the teacher or you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's frustrating. It, it kind of, it is. Because there are a lot of people, like the, the Jacob and the Michael that I'm working with in this, in Don's class, I don't know any of them personally. I've never had a physical conversation with them outside of the class. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for LinkedIn, I probably would never have any conversations with them. Yeah. But yeah, Don's really trying to encourage students to use LinkedIn more and to kind of hook up with people and just start just start that networking process, sort of expanding the network outside of who you just meet around town. Um, anything else you wanted to share? Um. Uh, I I actually would love for somebody just to message me about any like if they have any ideas that they don't know would work or if they need any feedback. I love debating and talking and yeah. inspiring or even just giving feedback because that's the one thing I live for is feedback. I want to yeah. know how people have seen the wing I've put all my heart into. It's that way next time I can do it better. Yeah, and it's. It's something that I'm always looking forward to, and I would love for somebody, just one person or 20 people or however many, just mm-hmm. to message me and say, hey, can I have your opinion on this? Yeah. Because I've done that to so many people, yeah. and they've given me so much great information. And it's just, even if I'm not the best person to give you that advice, I can point you in the way of somebody who can give you 12 times better advice than what I could do. Mm. And it, again, it's about the networking. And having somebody as the standpoint so that way you can start building your own network, I would gladly be there to show you the way. And I don't even have the best connections, but I have some of the great connections that can lead to even better connections. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some of the people I'm connected with, I'm like, there's no reason that they would want to be connected with me, but it's good to see their content and kind of learn from them. So I'm going to, I want to, I'll cut the podcast off there I've definitely got plenty of content. I've got 45 minutes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I could sit and talk for hours, but um, I appreciate you being on and, and sharing a little bit of your life with me. So thanks for being on. Oh, I love being on this kind of stuff. Anytime. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for Schools Out, the podcast that we talk about Uh, learning outside of the classroom. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cody. Cody and I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, If you would like to share something about this podcast, how it's impacting you, please find me on Instagram at philip.mott or on Twitter at philipmott1 are two great places to get in touch with me. Uh, I make every effort to respond to every message I get. So whatever the idea is, I would love to hear it. Thanks for joining us.